Now you got to love America. You got to love how in this country, when politicians give favors for behavior, we call that politics, but God forbid that happens in Venezuela, then it's corruption, right? It's crazy. So what is mayor Pete or sorry, secretary Pete doing to curb this issue? Well, he's having a really stern talking to with the airlines. Hey there. My name is Yavitsa Djurjevic, and welcome to The Road Less Babble. We are a podcast dedicated to sharing inspiring stories from everyday people and the wisdom we find along the way. Whether it's a story about an epic journey or some words of wisdom from a sage old man, we've got something for you. So pull up a seat, take a listen, and let us bumble our way into your weekly podcast rotation. Enjoy. Hey everybody, Yavitsa Djurjevic here, and welcome to another episode of, well, it's not another episode of Millennial Manhood anymore. This is actually the road less babbled. Welcome to the rebrand. It's official. So uh, why the rebrand? Why the change in direction, change in title, change in ethos of the podcast, etc.? Um, so to be quite frank, millennial manhood was started at a time in a very specific period in our culture. And what I loved from the get-go was the fact that it was really easy to get people on the podcast because they loved the mission of helping young men become better members of the communities, families, etc. What I hated about it from the get-go was that it was instantly thrown into the culture war BS. Millennial manhood was never meant to be a culture war battle. And I worked really hard to make sure that it stayed out of that world. Uh, it was not... It just wasn't my intention. It's not my passion. I don't care about the culture wars. I don't care about the politics of it all. Uh, it just, quite frankly, tainted the podcast in a lot of ways for me. So it, it felt like a, it felt like a constant uphill battle that I had to fight in order to just keep legitimacy on the podcast. And you know what? I did, and it worked, and it grew, and it kept growing. It grew 150% last year. And then as time went on, the podcast just kind of evolved on its own. It became less and less about what it initially was, men sharing their stories, to just human beings sharing their stories and human beings uh, collectively sharing their experiences. And some just some of the incredible interviews I've had on here, I wanted to open it up to a larger audience, one, uh, because I am not so naive to think that there are people who are not turned off when they see the title Millennial Manhood. It's just a fact of life, especially in the cultural and political environment that we're in. I know for a fact there are people that, that will never listen to an episode as long as the title remains that. Two, I wanted to open it up to a broader spectrum of conversation. And part of the thing that I'm really excited about doing and part of what I'm doing with this episode here is I, I hinted at this at the beginning of the year, but I wanted to do more commentary, whether it's social, whether it's political, whether it's business, whether it's economics, et cetera. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> I've always been a nerd in uh, cultural conversation. I, I double majored in political science and economics. You know, nobody nobody ma majors, much less double majors in those topics unless they just are nerds. And I really love doing the 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 discussion on what's going on in our world, whether it's entertainment or whether it's politics or whether it's, you know, the fact that I went to Publix the other day and a gallon of milk was $7.29 here in Nashville. It's, it's absolutely bananas. And 
nobody's really having any real discussions about it. Everything is just some political theater. Everything is just some thing is just about, hey, how do I get the other side uh, in trouble? And that's just not real life. So I'm excited with the road less babbled. The interview concept is going to continue. I'm going to keep interviewing folks who I find interesting. I'm going to keep sharing interesting stories because the, the general concept of what the podcast has always been about is going to remain. But I'm also going to have episodes like this. I want to do some documentary series. I'm, I'm, I want to do, you know, just things where, where I explore like, hey, what's going on in our world, culture and country and, and just general society. So I'm really excited to just share some of those stories and share some of those thoughts uh, that I have in general. On top of that, you know, with having a newborn the last five months, I just haven't had the time to really focus on the podcast. And now that she's getting a little bit older, now that things, you know, my wife and I are in a good rhythm, I can focus on things again. I've got a backlog of episodes I want to release. I want to really focus on growing this. Uh, in the meantime, I've also started a company called Logos Wave. Logos Wave is the presenting sponsor of The Roadless Babbled. Logos Wave is a production company uh, that produces podcasts for companies and individuals, completely turnkey, if you know, for folks who want to share their stories. So I'm, I'm, I'm intertwining all those things because quite frankly, I never, I still to this day have an inbox full of folks who want to advertise on this podcast. And I just don't want to do that. Anybody who's going to advertise, I want to have control of what the end product is. At least that's how I feel about it right now. And Logos Wave is going to be the presenting sponsor because I own Logos Wave. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. I'm excited to see where this goes. I think this will be a, a whole lot of fun. There's both the audio version and a video version. Okay. If you're listening on Spotify, this is a video podcast on Spotify. So there's going to be a lot more graphics. I'm going to cut, cut in clips as you'll see later on in this episode, et cetera. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, I, I, I want to say that millennial manhood in itself is the most satisfying project I've ever worked on. The amount of goodwill, joy, happiness, positive responses that have come into my life because of that project, I will cherish that forever. But millennial manhood is not over. The episodes aren't going anywhere. I'm not going backwards and editing out the title or the, or the concept or any of that. Just moving forward, I'm going to incorporate millennial manhood into the road less babbled. Because quite frankly, the stories of millennial manhood those are stories that aren't babbled very often. That's why I started it. I wanted people to share their stories and I want people to keep sharing their stories all while building out and sharing the stories as well of what I see in the world. Hope you guys enjoy this rebrand. I hope you guys can share this with those that you love that like you have been over the last several years because again, this podcast has grown every single year exponentially and uh, I really appreciate every single listener on here. So let's get to some of the interesting story. Actually, one interesting story in particular that I want to cover on today's episode. As you probably noticed in the title when you downloaded this, if you've tried to fly recently, it's kind of a catastrophe. So over July 4th weekend, 1,800 flights were canceled and 22,000 flights were delayed. Now, why is that? Well, there's a couple reasons, but the primary reason is airlines typically schedule flights and begin selling tickets for flights 330 days, give or take, in advance of the actual flight. This gives them the largest chance to sell as many tickets as possible and to sell as many tickets as early as possible. Because in the business world, realized cash up front is a huge advantage than future cash on the back end. So, you know, one in the hand is worth more than two in the bush. Well, 
the airline industry, and really there's only four legitimate airlines in the United States, really three major ones that are international players and then Southwest, if you want to include it in, include it into the pack, but there's really only four airlines. Everything else is minuscule compared to, you know, United, American, Delta, and Southwest. So these airlines have been scheduling these flights that they know from the get-go cannot possibly make it on time. I mean, correction, let me make something very clear. Hypothetically, in a perfect world where nothing goes wrong, all of these flights could make it on time. The odds of nothing ever going wrong, there being no delay from a previous flight, uh, on at connections, there being no weather issues, there being no short staffing at airports, whatever it may be. Like the, the amount of perfection that has to happen for these flights to execute is bananas. So effectively, these airlines know <laughs> these flights won't happen, but they're still booking in and they're still selling them. And technically, by law, if your flight is canceled, delayed, et cetera, they're supposed to give you a cash refund, which they've also been refusing to do. We'll give you airline miles. So why why are they having these issues? Why are they, you know, they're saying it's all these weather issues when it's like a freaking heat wave out there. It's like, oh, it's raining. I was like, no, no, it's not. They're understaffed. They're significantly understaffed is the big issue that they have. So why are they understaffed? Well, so we have to go back to March of 2020 when coronavirus really, you know, hits the fan in the United States. And the entire airline industry basically, you know, goes into non-existent mode because nobody's traveling. You know, all the stay-at-home orders, all, all folks, you know, business travel, which is the big moneymaker for airlines, uh, is, is non-existent. Everything's done via Zoom, et cetera. So during 2020, the federal government of the United States bailed the airline industry out to the tune of $54 billion. Now, the provisions of bailing out the airline industry, primarily the airlines, a couple of manufacturers, Boeing, et cetera, was that, hey, you can't fire workers if we give you this money. What did the airlines do? Well, naturally, they didn't, quote, fire people. What they did instead is they incentivized early retirement via buyouts. Yeah, they bought out their workforce. So technically they didn't fire them, but they did get rid of a bunch of people because they never actually imagined that demand would come back so quickly. Delta Airline itself encouraged 2,000 pilots to take an early retirement. Think about that, 2,000 pilots to take an early retirement. So what does that mean? Well, it means that now they're not able to backfill those positions because if I'm a pilot and I was 58 with tons of experience and, and thousands upon thousands of miles under my belt, why would I why would I come back? You bought me out. I took the pension. I'm running with it. I'm hanging out, you know, on an island in the in the Mediterranean. I'm not I'm not going back to flying for you. You don't have enough pilots coming through training and school to fill it up. And that's just the pilots. We're not even talking about flight attendants. We're not even talking about the baggage crews. We're not even talking about just the folks that work in airports in general. We're just talking about pilots in that example. I have an example from one of my coworkers. She flew uh, the week of July 4th, and she still has not gotten her baggage. She actually had to drive down from Middle Tennessee to the Atlanta airport and look for her luggage in a giant pile of luggage. And she actually found one of her suitcases. And the people at the airport were saying, yeah, we've got over 10,000 pieces of luggage here that we need to figure out how to get back to their owners. That's the kind of just insanity we're dealing with here. And we're dealing with it from an industry that effectively operates as a utility. 
54 billion is a lot of money. It's a large portion of their market cap. This is not insignificant cash. So you take government money and then you operate in government owned airports, but yet you want to act against the wishes of that government that basically ensured that you did not go under. So basically you're stealing from the people. And what is the government trying to do to fix and remedy this issue? Well, lucky for us, the Biden administration has appointed someone who's very qualified to the position of Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. You might know him as the guy who ran for president in 2020 on the Democratic side and then dropped out. Uh, but what you don't know is that he was actually the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. And in 2015, he won an overwhelming victory. Watch this. He won a second term tonight, beating Republican Kelly Jones by a very large margin here. Yeah, you saw that right. The Secretary of Transportation is a guy who won an election in South Bend, Indiana, where a total of 10,589 people voted. To put that into context, I went to the University of Tennessee. I was involved in student government. That same exact election year, 7,557 people voted for UT's student government president. So that's the kind of experience we're talking about. We're talking about a mayor of a small town in the Midwest who somehow becomes the Secretary of Transportation. So how exactly did he become Secretary of Transportation? Well, the Democratic Party essentially needed to coalesce and create a ticket that they thought could beat Donald Trump. The de facto leader of the Democratic Party, Barack Obama, encouraged Buttigieg to drop out of the race. And after he dropped out of the race, he encouraged him to endorse Joe Biden. And next thing you know, Joe Biden wins the election, becomes President Joe Biden, and Pete Buttigieg, a man who was the mayor of a town of 100,000 people who won 8,000 votes in 2015 in that town, is the Secretary of Transportation. Now, you got to love America. you got to love how in this country, when politicians give favors for behavior, we call that politics. But God forbid that happens in Venezuela, then it's corruption, right? It's crazy. So what is Mayor Pete, or sorry, Secretary Pete, doing to curb this issue? Well, he's having a really stern talking to with the airlines. There are going to be challenges, but we're watching it closely and we're talking to the airlines every day about their responsibility uh, to make sure that they can accommodate any uh, issues that weather or other curveballs might throw at them. Yes, a stern talking to. Not, hey, you took $54 billion from the American taxpayers. $54 billion that had to be created, mind you, that now we are paying the price on from an inflationary standpoint, because again, milk is $7.29 a gallon here in Nashville. A stern talking to, not, I'm going to fine you out of existence if you don't get your act together. They're completely disregarding him. You want to know how I know that? Because the day after he had a stern talking to with them, this happened. This holiday weekend, now Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is putting the airlines on notice. This weekend, his own flight was canceled, forcing him to drive from D.C. to New York City. Yes, his own flight was canceled the day after he had his conversation with all the CEOs of the major airlines. And you know what he did after his flight was canceled? He got on Twitter and explained to all the wonderful American citizens how they can calculate the airline mileage that they're being offered as compensation for their canceled flights relative to, to, to the actual cash value of those airline miles. Last time I checked, by law, they're actually required to refund you cash. But we at least get the, uh, get the awesome calculations from Secretary Buttigieg on how to actually know what those miles are worth. So we, we have a massive problem. This is not capitalism, and this is not a state-owned entity. This is just some weird hybrid Frankenstein's monster of private companies that have a stock price and a fiduciary responsibility to their stockholders, but wouldn't be able to exist without the government. Forget the bailout. They can't exist without government-funded and owned 
airports. Here in Nashville, BNA is not owned by any airline. It is owned by Nashville Davidson Metropolitan Government. Okay, those are taxpayer dollars that create the infrastructure for you to even be able to exist. And you completely disregard any aspect of the government, any aspect and any wants of the people when we pay for you to exist. And then you even disregard the laws that are in place by our elected officials. And you won't even give us a refund from a cash standpoint, but you'll give us, quote, miles and points. Two, we obviously have a guy in this position who has no idea what he's doing. And it's unfortunate because it is a result of the system that we work in. And when you create politics as coalitions, when you're creating these coalitions, this corruption seeps in. Now, before you say I'm picking on Democrats, let's make it very clear. Donald Trump appointed Rick Perry as Secretary of Energy after he said this in a Republican primary debate. And I will tell you, it's three agencies of government when I get there that are gone. Commerce, education, and the, um, uh, what's the third one there? Let's see. I can't. The third one, I can't. Sorry. Oops. And, and by the way, that was the Department of Energy I was reaching for a while ago. So. Uh, Yes, the guy who said he was going to eliminate the Department of Energy becomes the Secretary of Energy. Mm, yeah. So just remember the next time that you're at the airport and your flight gets canceled, that the one person placed in charge by your government to hold the airlines accountable decided to get in on Twitter and explain to you the cash value of an airline mile was more important than actually holding these companies to account. Think about where your tax dollars are going. Till next time, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll do more fun conversations. I promise it won't always be political. I just thought this was insane because I was talking to my coworker that was going through the fiasco she was going through. So uh, look, if you've got some ideas for topics, episodes, etc., as always, feel free to reach out to me directly with constructive criticism. Don't just complain. You got to offer a solution. Go to thelogoswave.com. You can fill out the contact form in there. You can find me on social media, LinkedIn, etc. But outside of that, hope you guys have a great rest of your week.